So what it is, Skippily. Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. It's been a week, but we're back at it. Happy birthday, Mom. Today is January 14th, 2023, and it is also my mom's birthday, as I just mentioned prior a couple seconds ago. So without further ado, not going to really ramble bamble, but shout my mom out as always, because I love her to the nth degree. Um, maybe this is your, um, reminder to maybe reach out to the people that you love and just let them know that you love them. Right. Sometimes we forget that, like, we assume that the people that we love the most and that love us the most can read our minds. And sometimes we just gotta actually take what's on our mind and manifest it into the words that we actually mean, uh, so that they know that we appreciate them and that we care for them. And, and you know what, at the end of the day, I do, I love them. I know we, uh, we come to uh, to bat a lot of the time, you know, with any family member, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, you know, I've been really doing a lot of sifting through my own life. And um, I'm not sponsored by any means or anything like that. But I, from other podcasts, maybe you guys can, you know, pop onto another podcast. I listen to, to other individuals that uh, have promo codes for BetterHelp. And so I've actually been doing BetterHelp as of recent and uh, been really helping me really sift through um things that I don't really remember uh, a lot in my life that are kind of coming to a head and resurfacing and and I'm dealing with them and kind of sitting with them and um, a lot of them have come from the resentment that I've I've grown uh, towards my especially parents which I don't want to and I know nobody else wants to especially if they want to ha- cultivate a, a a beautiful relationship um with your family. So I've been really trying to do a lot of hard work on that because as of recent, um, I guess I've just been kind of angry, not, not like outwardly angry, but you know, like that, 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 that overarching resentment that's been making its way into my life and I don't like it and I want to get rid of it. And that's what life is, right? It's these fluctuations where things kind of they kind of seep into our lives and then we have to deal with them and, or we dissociate from them or we, um, and you know, I've done definitely done that before. I've done myself to dissociate from the problems in my life because, you know, I justify it by saying, you know, and I'm a hard worker. I'm a type A personality. I'm go, go, go. I just, I deserve to dissociate. I deserve to have a break, but you know what, at the end of the day, it's not really, it's not how it should be. Um, and I'm really trying to change my frame and mindset in regards to that because uh, it leads me to burnout, and then I I am burnt out, but I push through that burnt out. And uh, you know what? I got to thank uh, seeing my dad do the very same thing because man, he is a hard worker. But at the end of the day, work is great, but also you need to take care of yourself and kind of take a step back because if you don't, then you start to only turn off when you force yourself to turn off by other means right? Using other substances, maybe like alcohol, for instance, to help numb and dissociate you from the stress of everyday life. You know, a lot of the time, you know, I talk to these people and coworkers as well. It's like, it's so funny that teachers on the whole all consider themselves functioning alcoholics because they all seem to, you know, need that kind of de-stressor at the end of the day. And, and I found myself to kind of start to get in that, um, 
in that trope. And I don't want that. I'm not, I'm not, uh, the, the thing is, is that the amount of research that I've done and what alcohol does to your body in general is just, you know what? It's okay. Moderation. Like I've talked about in my life and what I need to emulate more so now and be very mindful of is that like Buddha did, like Siddhartha, the homie G, homie G up in the sizzle and as a shizzle, he realized that it wasn't about all of the opulence that he ha had as a prince, but it also wasn't about fasting under a freaking fig tree for 40 days. You know, we come to a, the, the, the realization that it's not one side, it's not the other side, but it's kind of coming to the middle. And coming to the middle is sometimes really hard. So I'm, I'm trying my best. And this person that I'm talking to right now is really helping me sift through this the things in my life that have led me to the resentment or to have led me to uh, the rumination of certain things that, you know, I need to let go of. If you're holding on to things that bother you, if you're holding on to things that preserve your ego, just say that you're wrong. Dad, I love you so much. I know that you never listen to this podcast, so I'm just going to say this right now. I love you, but sometimes we just got to accept that we're wrong and move on and be liberated by the fact that maybe we don't know everything that we thought we knew. I have realized that, and for some reason, you know what, and I'm not, I'm not analyzing, but Sometimes I think that we realize or we think that when we admit that we're wrong, that it's a sign of weakness, especially when you admit it to somebody that's younger than you. Just do it. You're growing up like we all are growing up. Same thing with my mom. Same thing with my brother. Same thing with my boss. Same thing with my other coworkers. Sometimes it, we really hold on to the things that we think are right because we don't want to say that we're wrong because that hurts our ego. But at the end of the day, does it really matter if you're wrong? I tell my kids that every single day in my class, just put yourself out there. Try and answer the question that I give you. Don't, don't be petrified by getting it wrong because who cares at the end of the day? I mean, at the at the end of the day, maybe you yourself do, but you're also a pubescent, insecure little kiddo that is thinking that everybody is looking and watching them when really nobody cares. Hey, and if there's a student that's going to laugh at you in my class for getting something wrong, then we're going to kick that attitude to the curb. Okay. That's not what I want. The reason why I say these is because it's kind of like this full, full circle that I've come to realize because I was that kid where I was scared to, to voice my opinion, to voice what I thought, you know, or contribute in class because I was too petrified by saying the wrong thing. And then everybody looking at me and laughing at me. Why? Why, why do we hold on to that? It's not, it's not, it's not conducive to growth because at the end of the day, what I tell the kiddos is that if you get it wrong, you just look at what's wrong and then we make it right and we move on and we use that information of what's wrong and then looking at what's right to help further ingrain. I mean, how many times in our lives have we learned something the hard way through getting it wrong to then get it right? I don't think we really learn a lot when we just get things right over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And if we do, um, 
it's not as deep and as profound as getting it wrong or hitting rock bottom or, you know, because that's what life is. Life is the hard way. Take the hard route because it's hard because, but then you realize that it's okay because you made it through that hard endeavor. And then you look back just for a second. You look back, you don't dwell on the past, but you look back and you realize that you were capable of something that you never thought you were capable of because maybe that anxiety had held you from making that, that leap until you finally realized, why am I scared? I'm just going to do it, do it, get it wrong, get it right, whatever you move on. And that's growth and that's change and that's life. And like I love about myself is, uh, I said I wasn't going to ramble, and now we're nine minutes into the podcast, so let's go ahead and get on into it. If you haven't already, hop on over to Spotify at Latin and Layman's The Rhetoric Revolution, also at Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, you can actually jot a little thing down if you want to say something to me. Also, I've been receiving a lot of Q&As. Um, I've only received a couple, so I start to kind of compile them, and then I make them into a larger episode. So if you have questions about life, about medical terminology, about legal terminology, botanical, Latin language, linguistics, history, anything and everything, physiology. Uh, I love to answer questions um, because I'm a teacher and I like to make things that are hard conceptually seem rather more simple at the end of the day. That's what I want to do. I want to answer those questions and I want to make those things that are, that what you think are not understandable, more understandable. Now, without further ado, jumping on in to all things about the stomach. We're referring to etymology. Let's go ahead. This one is about the stomach, but it actually is a, a, a stomach word roundabout. So gastrocnemius. Can anybody think about what the gastrocnemius is? Well, um, well, gastro, we know, refers to stomach. That makes sense, like gastroenterology, gastritis, gastro whatever. I don't want to, because uh, we'll get into them in a hot second, but gastrocnemius is actually a muscle in your body. And it's actually a part of your lower um, uh, appendages. So uh, what, what do you think a gastrocnemius would refer to? Is it something in the thigh? I don't know about that because we have the quadru quadriceps in the front and we have the hamstrings on the side, the back. We have the, um, the adductors in, towards the medial, and then the abductors more laterally, but gastrocnemius, gastro meaning stomach, and then neem actually spelled K-N-E-M-E, referring to of the leg. Really the calf of the leg um, more so. So at the end of the day, if you put gastro, which means stomach plus neem calf of the leg, Gastrocnemius just really means the stomach of the leg. Really, neem is the calf of the leg, but calf of the leg can refer to the shin bone as well. So it's really the stomach of the shin bone or the shin, essentially. What is that? It's the calf. And if you look at it, go ahead and if you flex it, if you do a, a little a plantar flexion and a dorsiflexion, you can see how that little stomach kind of moves, kind of gets knotted up into a little bit of a stomach, a little bit of a ball, 
and you can kind of hold it like it's your little tummy tum of your lower leg. So if you didn't know, now you know. Gastrocnemius. Gastro plus neme making gastrocnemius the calf. And that is a part of the calf. We also have the soleus muscle. And then on the anterior side, we have the anterior tibialis. Um, a lot of the time, that's where we get shin splints from. If you think about it, or if you if you ever are dealing with shin splints, um, it's actually that anterior tibialis muscle that has been uh, overworked, basically. Um, shin splints a lot of the time can happen when you're trying to get back into running and you maybe don't prime your lower body well enough, or you maybe are running with bad uh, mechanics. Because uh, I see a lot of people running with really bad mechanics. I'm not a runner at all. I'm a cyclist. Um, but you can kind of see sometimes when people look like limp noodles running down the road, and you know that that's just not, that's not conducive to um, ingraining good muscle movement. And that's what we want at the end of the day. We want mobility, movement, and to move in a healthy way throughout our lives so that we age gracefully as well. Next one that we have here, it's it's actually abbreviated as GERD. This refers to the gastrointestinal esophageal reflux disease. That's what the D is. Um, this is also known as heartburn, essentially. But gastro meaning stomach, intestinal referring to intestine. This comes from the Latin intestinum, which refers to a gut, and in the plural intestina, which refers to the bowels or the intestines. It actually is a uh, assimilated version of in, which means inward or internal, from the intus, which means within or on, on the inside. Uh, so there you go. You have the stomach, the inner stomach, the inner gut, plus esophagus. Esophagus coming from esophagos, referring to gullet or the passage of food. It literally in the Greek, what carries and eats essentially comes from the assimilated version of Oceanin, uh, the future infinitive of Fernin, which means to carry, and then Phagos or Phagos, coming from Phagin. This is where we get sarcophagus, flesh eating. What happens when you put a body into a sarcophagus? The flesh gets consumed, essentially. Phagi refers to eat. So esophagus just refers to um to carry what's uh, or what's carried and ate essentially. Um, so then reflux, our last little bit here, re, re meaning back or again, and fluxus in Latin referring to a flowing. So it's a backwards flowing through what carries and eats from the stomach the gastrointestinal stomach. Um, so if you didn't know, now you know. It's a, an upward flowing of, and that's what happens. Um, a little bit more about this. People tend to take Tums to mitigate this problem, and that's really not what's the, the problem here. If you have gastrointestinal, or gastrointestinal esophageal reflux disease, if you have GERD, if you have acid reflux, people think that it's actually an overproduction of hydrochloric acid, the stomach acid within our body, in our stomach that helps break down, especially proteins. Um, and then we have other enzymatic processes that break down fats and carbohydrates and all those other sugars um, tied in with fats and um, whatever. 
um, and carbohydrates and stuff. But um, we have that hydrochloric acid, which we think is an overproduction, which is what leads to that backwards flowing up through the esophagus. But it really isn't. It's actually the uh, low production of hydrochloric acid. And that's why I tell people, I used to tell people this as well um, uh, when doing uh, the, because I actually had a couple people when I worked doing a little bit of physical therapy stuff that dealt with this kind of stuff. And I said, why not try supplementing a little bit with some hydrochloric acid uh, with some pepsin? Um, because that is actually what's happening is your body is not creating enough hydrochloric acid. Your stomach is not. So when that happens and you eat, um, the sphincter at the lower end of your esophagus, the sphincter, because we have a sphincter actually that opens and closes, um, that at the top of the stomach that doesn't close. So when that sphincter doesn't close, that's what allows the bubbling up of all that food that you just had to kind of come and carry back up and flow back up through the esophagus. But when you have a, a normal amount of hydrochloric acid chilling in the body, in the stomach, um, that sphincter actually closes up and it allows for the processes to actually do its dealio. So if you didn't know, now you know. I promise you, if it, it really will make a difference if you do deal with GERD. Um, I, I know I'm not a medical doctor or anything like that, but I've done it and I've had other people with success. And if you just do a little bit of your own self-research, uh, you'll learn that very much GERD is not the, the, the causation or the correlation of um, low stomach acid, but rather or I mean high stomach acid, but rather low stomach acid. So you need, you need to uppity up that hydrochloric acid so you can actually digest your, your food properly. Next one that we have here is gastritis. Gastro, again, meaning stomach. It actually comes from combining the form of gaster, the genitive of gastros, which means belly or womb. Um, so itis refers to the inflammation. So essentially the inflammation of the stomach because gastro is the genitive form. So if that means that gastro is the genitive form, then if we make stomach in showing possession of, we can either say the stomachs with the ticky mark S, the stomach's inflammation, or you can say the, the inflammation of the stomach of can also show possession of that preposition of putting in front of the stomach shows what it is showing possession of. And in this case, it's showing possession of the inflammation that that stomach has. Next one that we have here is gastroenteritis. Gastro, again, meaning stomach enteritis. Well, um, according to Almighty Google, it's acute inflammation of the bowels, and it comes from the Latin, um, uh, from enteron, which means intestine. And then itis referring to the inflammation of uh, enteron is where we get enteric from. Gastroenteritis is the inflammation of the lining of the stomach and the large and small intestines. So a lot of the time, most cases are infectious, although gastroenteritis can also occur after ingestion, ingestion of drugs or chemical toxins like plants or uh, plant substances, rather like metals or, you know, other heavy metals, that kind of stuff. Gastrectomy. Gastro, stomach, again, and ectomy. Ectomy refers to, in the medical field, the surgical removal of. It's from the Latinized form of the Greek ectomia, which means a cutting out of. So, 
and it comes from the assimilated form of ek, meaning out of, and tiamnen, um, which refers to cut in Greek. So gastrectomy, rather, is just, according to Almighty Google, and etymologically, the surgical removal of a part or whole of the stomach. And that's what it is. If you didn't know, now you know. Gastroenterology. Gastro, again, meaning stomach. Enteric, referring to ek, meaning out of. Temnin. Uh, I'm always so bad at pronouncing that Greek, which means um, that, well, rather, enteric is just intestine, essentially, coming from that enteron. And then ology, the study of. So gastroenterology, according to Almighty Google, the study of the normal functions and diseases of the esophagus, the stomach, the small intestine, the colon, the rectum, what else? Pancreas, gallbladder, bile ducts, liver. I think that might be it. Just basically anything referring to that GI system, the gastrointestinal system. Last one that we're going to get into, and then we're going to cap it off there, gastropod. Gastropod, what is a gastropod? Well, gastro meaning stomach, pod coming from pedes, which means foot. Um, uh, stomach with feet, that's a very interesting concept. What do you think is a stomach with feet? Can you think of any animals or, I don't know, a class of invertebrates that are on this earth that may exhibit those qualities? Well, According to Almighty Google, gastropods, commonly known as uh, snails and or slugs, uh, they just are basically, that's what a gastropod is. That's, they all are a part of that class called gastropodia. So if you didn't know, now you know. Gastropods are like snails, mollusks, um, slugs, that kind of thing. Maybe you can think of more. Gonna leave it there. But pedes can also refer to, well, that's where we get centipede from, a hundred footed, and that's what a centipede is, uh, roughly, but not really. Um, I, I was looking it up actually with a student. A centipede can actually have a pair, it, it actually has a range of feet, and that, that makes sense. You know, insects are individual just like human beings are. Um it's where we get quadruped, like your animals, your furry little animals. You get bipedal. Bipedal would be humans, but also bicycles, right? Bicycles have bi and they have cycles. They have two cycles, but they also have a couple of feet, bipedals, right? Don't they have pedals? That's what they call them, pedals. They have two little feetsies. Bicycles are fun. I love me some bicycling. I think I'm going to do it today. It's a nice day today. One of my students mentioned a beautiful route um, called the Overlook Route. So I'm going to go check that out, I think, either today or tomorrow. Now I'm ramble-bambling, so I'll shut my mouth. I'll let you guys get on with the rest of your day. And I hope you learned something new. And if you did, I'd love that support that I had mentioned prior at the beginning of this episode. Take care, everybody. Tempo de Sketeray.